We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. We welcome your ears. Is this something I really need? Is this something I really just want to have in my possession? How important is it in my life? If this thing were to leave my life, if this favorite little sculpture or photograph of my grandfather were to disappear tomorrow, would it hamper my life severely? Would my life be less because that thing was gone? You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 179. pH Factor. Catch and Release. The Art of Letting Go. Come on in, have a seat. Join the conversation. So here we are, podcast 179 or episode 179, our final podcast for this last year, which our year is from July to July, at which time you'll be leaving Ontario and on your way to Nova Scotia and we'll both be letting go. I know, letting go of each other in a certain respect, letting go of the land that we've lived on for 22 years, my wife and I, letting go of a lot of stuff that we've accumulated over the years in order to lighten the load on our move. Yeah, lots of letting go going on. Lots of friends, family that are close by, kind of letting them go in a sense because we won't be seeing them as much anymore Mm -hmm. and on and on and on. So lots of letting go uh, happening here for sure. Yeah, and part of it, of course, precipitated by the whole COVID situation directly or indirectly that made you decide to leave the province for economic and other reasons. I'm curious along this line to maybe use you as an example because you've spent the last few weeks organizing, planning, selling your home. And of course, now you have to go through the exercise of sifting through everything and deciding what to take, what not to take. And considering weight because there's a cost to move all this material to Nova Scotia and so on. And of course, you're moving to a different place, a different sized home. So you've got to consider all these factors. And now you have to go through all your stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And in doing so, obviously, you're going to have to make some decisions. You're both going to have to make some decisions about what to keep and what not to keep. So my question to you is, Beyond the obvious point of having to go through things and deciding what to keep and what not to keep, have you noted any difference in the way you and your partner have gone through this process? Not really, because we're together and we know what's behind us and we know kind of what's ahead of us and the challenge of the move, because we're moving 1,300 kilometers to the east. We're bringing not only things from the house, objects, but also our animals, our cats, our horses that we're having to trailer that distance. And in order to do that, what we decided to do was lighten the load as much as possible because moving companies charge by the pound. Mm. And it can get very pricey if you bring every single thing that you've ever owned and that you've gathered along with you on the move. So we've been culling for the last few months, actually, trying to lighten the load as much as possible. And apart from the obvious work involved, what are the positive things you've experienced doing this? The positive things? Actually, you know, one feels a bit lighter in spirit in some ways when you simplify, (laughs) when you minimize, it's a bit more zen. It's hard to describe. And, you know, as you get older too, I find that as I get older, I find that 
life itself is a culling. Life culls from you as you get older. Mm -hmm. And people you knew have fallen away, have died, or have moved away, so you have no more contact with them. Pieces of your psychic life have fallen away over the decades. Memories have fallen away. There's this constant letting go. In some ways, it's a dying process. It's a death process. Death does that. It takes away, not immediately, but gradually from people. And so when we move, we're kind of engaging in a death experience and then a rebirth at the other end, if you like. So, yeah, there's that. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And for me, what you said at the beginning, uh, lightness. I mean, for me, I've experienced that most of my life because I'm kind of an anti-clutter person and have been since I was a, a young buck. And I've always experienced that kind of feeling the anti-clutter, I feel more able to maneuver, to move, to change direction, which for me is a huge thing in life. I've always liked that flexibility. I mean, I also accumulate things like everyone else to a degree, but I always attempt to use that kind of rule where if I bring something new in, I like to take something old out. Yeah, now there's that way of working, but when you're working with a partner, as we both are, there's also the partner's stuff <laughs> to consider and their attachment to certain things as well. So I could say to my wife, can you go through these old photographs of your childhood or whoever that you're quite attached to? Can you lose 50% of those photographs? I might get a dirty look. So one, it has to be thoughtful in communicating that kind of thing when you're with a partner and you're moving and it's, or it's time to let things go. To be gentle is, I guess, what I'm saying, and to say, how attached are we to these things? How important is this particular object? Is there another one that is similar that we can lose maybe some of them and keep one or two as a reference point in our lives? Because they're like milestones, some of these objects, to us. This represents who I was at 17. This represents who I was at 35. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a kind of way of taking your biography with you when you move to keep some of those things. but. As I say, as you get older, our attachment to objects in a way naturally loosens, I think. If we're not hoarders or collectors by nature, our connection to things and to people loosens over time. There could be many reasons for that as well, because time or the sense of time changes, at least psychologically, if not physically that amount of time to waste. So things tend to be cluttering in many ways, whether it's emotional or physical. And I agree with you that when you're in a relationship or with a partner, that you do have to consider the other side. And oftentimes, two people may share a space, but they may not share a way of thinking. Therefore, you can also get into areas of conflict because of it. And the aging aspect, some of us reach old age earlier than others. And I don't mean just physically. I mean, in terms of the way of thinking. Some of us don't make changes until we have to. And some of us make changes in anticipation of. I'm one of those in anticipation of. So I may not do it, for example, the same way you would or my partner would do it. Sure. Yeah. And you have to, in a way, with each thing or each piece of stuff that you have, assess, is this something I really need? Is this something I really just want to have in my possession? How important is it in my life? If this thing were to leave my life, if this favorite little sculpture or photograph of my grandfather 
were to disappear tomorrow, would it hamper my life severely? Would my life be less because that thing was gone? Mm -hmm. You have to answer that. With everything you look at, you have to answer that question. We're also geared over centuries and millennia of our inner primitive mind. We're far more preoccupied with loss than we are with gain. So letting go of things is usually perceived as loss, which I don't necessarily agree with, and I'll explain that. Let's use an obvious example. A couple been together for many years and chooses to separate or divorce. Well, there's the obvious pain of breaking a relationship up, an emotional experience that partners have, even though they may experience it differently, it's a definite loss. But on the flip side, depending on how things work out, there's also a gain. You may or your partner may experience a new sense of freedom, a new opportunity, while also experiencing that loss that's attributed to a long-term relationship of having shared so many experiences and memories together. There's a lot of things that we do have those two elements working simultaneously. So depending on which portion we focus on, it will affect the decisions we make. Are you a person that focuses on loss or are you a person that focuses on gain? Yeah, that's a very good point. And the other element I would suggest here is We've been collecting things as a human species. We've been connected to stuff, to possessions forever, since time immemorial. Mm -hmm. right? But there's a kind of illusion that goes along with collecting stuff, which is that this stuff will last forever and that it will be in my possession forever and that somehow, miraculously, I will live forever. <laughs> right. A, B, C. But really, our lives are on loan in these physical bodies. And the stuff we own is also temporary and on loan. That stuff is going to disintegrate back into the earth. The earth is a very hungry being. The earth eats everything, mm -hmm. as it turns out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> and we're only talking about the physical things. You can also extend this to the non-physical. For example, memories. Memories are also kind of in a category of letting go. And some memories are not always positive or helpful to hold on to and yeah. could drag you down. So mm -hmm. we have to deal with that aspect too. Which memories do you hang on to and which memories do you try to let go of? And when you're motivated to let go, to make a change, because perhaps there's some degree of dissatisfaction in your life or a realization that you or your partner deserves more and so on, uh, letting go is the process of adapting to a loss like a grieving process, which, as you stated, happens in real life. We age and we die. And mm -hmm. it's the same thing for our things. Yeah, nothing is permanent. I think that was the last words of the Buddha, apparently, were nothing is permanent or it's all impermanence. And so it's very difficult to live with that thought in a way. But as you get older, you do get it. I was outside working with the horses today, this morning. And I was moving horse shit <laughs> around <laughs> and carrying it across a field to a big pile of manure that is gigantic and spread across a big part of our property, the field. And I just thought everything becomes manure in the end. Everything goes into the earth. Everything goes to shit. Goes to shit. <laughs> and then and that shit nourishes whatever comes right. next that the earth throws up. 
And that's the truth of our lives mm -hmm. is that. And if you can keep that thought in mind, then looking at a, a little sculpture that you've loved forever and thinking maybe it's time for that to go, it's easier to do that, to let it go. And the other thing is I have a friend who's a very interesting guy. And he said to me the other day, I find that when I take an object that I'm considering letting go of, and I think about the good things that I've experienced with that object and just focus on the positive side of that relationship, it's actually easier to let it go mm -hmm. in some ways. That you've had these experiences with that object or with that person. You've had them. They're there. They're real. And there's pleasure there. And there's goodness. And you don't need to have it anymore because you've had those good experiences. And also think about the human psychology. I mean, people typically do not like unknown territory. And letting go can be a very scary thing. There's lots of uncertainty in that process. Yeah. Because it means leaving behind what's usual and comfortable. And even if it's not in your best interest, and even if it takes you somewhere that you might feel very uncomfortable at first. Yeah. And the other thing is that we have allowed, in some ways, our physical environment the very land that we live on as well, the climate, everything, to kind of identify us, to give us our lives shape and form and regularity. If you take all those things away or a bunch of those things away, yeah, you start to feel like your foundation has been shaken apart and been taken out from under your feet. Where was that comfortable landscape that I've lived on for 22 years? Where are these objects that have surrounded me all this time? They're gone suddenly. Who am I without them? Well, it's easier to stay where you are and not take a chance because essentially that's what you're doing. You're taking a chance. You're in uncharted territory. Right. I think also, uh, I know for myself, one of the things that's always helped me throughout life, uh, letting go of things, is that I've always associated clutter harmful to my well-being. So I typically feel better when I let go of many things. And now I'm not talking about things that you perhaps treasure, like a memory is something each of us has to deal with individually, but it's not a physical component that I have to move or position or clean. There's a very practical aspect of stuff. Stuff requires maintenance, and we have stuff that we never use, but you have to store, you have to clean, you have to move. We live in a society that has so much stuff that storage is an actual business. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, George Carlin has a great bit oh, yeah. on, uh, on stuff. Maybe we'll steal some of it and play a bit of it as, uh, <laughs> during this podcast. It's quite funny. That's the whole meaning of life, isn't it? Trying to find a place for your stuff. That's all your house is. Your house is just a place for your stuff. If you didn't have so much goddamn stuff, you wouldn't need a house. You could just walk around all the time. That's all your house is. It's a pile of stuff with a cover on it. You see that when you take off in an airplane and you look down and you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff. Everybody's got their own pile of stuff. And when you leave your stuff, you gotta lock it up. Wouldn't want somebody to come by and take some of your stuff. They always take the good stuff. They don't bother with that crap you're saving. Ain't nobody interested in your fourth grade arithmetic papers. They're looking for the good stuff. That's all your house is. It's a place to keep your stuff while you go out and get more stuff. <laughs> now, sometimes, sometimes you've got to move. You've got to get a bigger house. Why? Too much stuff. 
you've got to move all your stuff and maybe put some of your stuff in storage. Imagine that, there's a whole industry based on keeping an eye on your stuff. Enough about your stuff, let's talk about other people's stuff. Did you ever notice when you go to somebody else's house, you never quite feel 100% at home? You know why? No room for your stuff. Somebody else's stuff is all over the place. And what awful stuff it is. Where did they get this stuff? And if you have to stay overnight at someone's house, you know, unexpectedly, and they give you a little room to sleep in that they don't use that often, someone died in it 11 years ago, and they haven't moved any of his stuff. Or wherever they give you to sleep, usually right near the bed, there's a dresser, and there's never any room on the dresser for your stuff. Someone else's shit is on the dresser. Have you noticed that their stuff is shit and your shit is stuff? But he's perfectly right, too, that there's a, a kind of an absurdity to how much stuff people have. But that absurdity kind of shades into tragedy when you think that, as I said earlier, the earth absorbs everything, but there's a limit to what the earth can absorb in terms of stuff. And so we see gigantic miles wide areas in the ocean filled with plastic bags that have clung together and are destroying the sea life in that area. The landfills piling up with discarded laptops or sound systems or other technologies that are obsolete. All of these things are actually bad for the planet we live on. And we know that. And yet people don't tend to think those thoughts when they're looking for the next iteration of their iPhone or another vehicle, even though their car is only five years old. There's all of that to consider that we kind of conveniently leave out when we're making these decisions about the stuff in our lives. Yeah. And you also hit on something that has always helped me as well. The self-talk is it took energy and resources to create that thing. And when we have dozens upon dozens of items that are not being utilized, they're being stored or moved around and end up in dumps or end up taking my time. And when I say time, I don't mean just the physical time. It's occupying space in my brain that's preventing me from using it to enjoy other things, if that makes any sense. Totally. The other example of that kind of thing is we had a painting that I had bought back in 1993. It's a big framed painting, about five foot by five foot. And because there's not enough space on the wall to accommodate that painting, it's been sitting in a basement for 22 years here. And so I decided I would actually give this painting away to somebody who's picking it up today, as a matter of fact. So these kinds of considerations as well, like how can that stuff, that thing be helpful for someone else. Mm -hmm. uh, Andrew Welch's book, Our Second Chance, talks about the gift economy idea. So there's a chance when you're moving to gift people who you think might appreciate a work of art or a vase or this or that and enhance their life. It's a chance to gift them that experience. Well, appreciate and utilize because then they don't have to mm -hmm. go out and buy another thing. It's something that is completely functional and does not require further waste. Right. So if, if the first thought you have is, who might appreciate this rather than what can I get for this on Kijiji or something? What kind of value can I get out of this object rather than what can I give someone a value by giving them this object in my 
immediate world. It's a whole different process then, and you're less likely to toss it out or what have you if you do that. So we've given away a lot of stuff. Well, and the other thing too is focus on what you need and not what others think you need or what we're taught to have. For example, oftentimes we will go out and buy something for an occasion which will never be used again. Mm-hmm. So we're not thinking of utility. We're thinking of the fact that we just need that one thing, but perhaps sometimes making do with something else and foregoing that impulse to fill that particular moment. And in many cases, people don't even notice it. I don't mean to sound sexist here, but more of a female thing where they went to an event 10 years ago and wore a dress. And 10 years later, they feel they have to have another dress in case someone recognizes the one they wore 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's there. And that's a whole fashion industry issue, too. You can't wear last season's outfit because people will have seen you in that outfit last year. So you have to stay up with the fashion and stay new, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that that plays into it. And media and, and advertising are constantly promoting next year's model. And by inference, suggesting that this year's model is inadequate. This year's iPhone is just not as good as next year's. And so you have to have next year's because next year's model has 25 more bells and whistles on it. And you're going to have to have that model, that new model, in order to be in the world in the right way and be current and up to date. So being current and up to date now has to do with having the right technology, the up-to-date technology. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, you start to fall by the wayside. You don't have the bells and whistles to keep up with your neighbor and your coworker or what have you. So all of that plays into our connection, our relationship to stuff and to things. Yeah, and as, as well. I said, we don't just buy and accumulate stuff over our lives. We move it from smaller to larger spaces to fit all this stuff. You buy a bigger home, you buy a bigger cottage, you buy a bigger boat, a bigger vehicle. These are all spaces that have to be filled or energy and money or whatever else has to be put into it. And this all requires extra everything, extra work, extra real estate, on and on it goes. So I think sometimes if we thought more about the bigger picture of things rather than the immediate impulse to have something where we just took a little bit of time to just consider it. I'm not talking about being anal about it where every corner you turn, you're going to stop yourself from doing everything, but just give it a little bit more thought. And I also think that most of us can relate to the difficulty of letting go of things, especially stuff, more so than the emotional side. The emotional side, I think, is a little bit more complicated, even though they're connected. But maybe thinking about what it feels like to hold on to things might make it easier to let go of things. Yeah, the practical nature of maintenance, et cetera, et cetera, and and repairs and all that thing. Yeah, I mean, the other aspect is, too, with young people these days, and I'm not sure how good that is, it sounds like it might be a good thing, is that lots of young people these days, well, first of all, they can't afford to buy the latest technology or to buy a house if you're of that age and it's that time because of housing prices, et cetera, et cetera, inflation, all these things impinge upon a younger person's ability to buy into the world of things. And so lots of young people are content to rent, for example, not buy a house because they can't. (laughs) And there's also this interesting element that's happened in the last couple of years through COVID where 
people have, especially conspiracy theorists, have put the World Economic Forum as the bad guys because Schwab, the head of the forum, has said that uh, people will own nothing and be happy, Mm. which is the aim, apparently, (laughs) of, (laughs) of their program, that people won't own a damn thing, but they'll be happy. So we'll be renting, we'll be using public domain ideas, but we'll be renting and not owning. So there's an interesting kind of element there of how people really value their lives. There are people out there who feel that they have a right to own things. There's an actual right, an actual moral consideration there. And the whole idea of individualism, that I, if I work for 30 years and I make all this money, I have a right to have around me whatever I wish to have around me. If it's a Mercedes-Benz, if it's a big house, if it's whatever, then I have that right. And, and if you limit that right, that's a bad thing. That's a negative thing. Uh, that may be, so. but I, I would look at it another way. I think about it. When I encounter people that have things, my measuring stick is not so much how much they have as it is how comfortable are they with it? Are they stressed to the gills to have it, to keep it, to work extra hard to acquire and keep it? Are they giving up leisure time that might be more beneficial to their well-being? That, that's what I look at because it's hard to measure another person or what you think is right or wrong because we're all different. We all have different measuring sticks. So for me, rather than be punitive, it's more a question of, are you content? Are you at ease? Or are all these things stressing you out? And if all these things are stressing you out, then maybe it would be wise to consider another way. Yeah, sure. Um, I was just sort of looking around me. I'm in an office right now. And uh, I just thought, hey, well, Take a quick inventory of the objects in this room and your relationship to them. And what do you get? Well, I look around me and I see two green vases that I picked up at some event 20 years ago. And they're pretty and they're there and they're aesthetic, sitting on a mid-century modern unit that's leaned up against the wall. There's an orchid up on the top of that unit that has lost all its blossoms. (laughs) Looks pretty sad. There's a plant beside that. There's some robes and things and uh, scarves hanging on some hooks on, on a wall there. There's artwork behind me, a triptych. There's some Japanese artwork on my left. There's a bulletin board on my right with a map of the world tacked to it. There's a lamp to my right. There are pillows surrounding my area where we're recording as a kind of a makeshift buffer. In terms of the hard surfaces, there's a computer, there's the mic, there's, you know, all the bits on the work table in front of me. There's a lot of stuff in this room, and I have a relationship to every single one of these items. And, you know, it's very important for people to, I think, recognize just how connected we are to the things that we possess. Mm -hmm. And to try to get a handle on how many of these things could disappear tomorrow. And would I still be the same person? Would I feel diminished Could I let them go if it was time? Even the people listening right now, where you are, look around your room. What are the objects that are in your room? What is your particular relationship to them? Do you really love them? Or are they just there because you've acquired them and you just haven't had the energy to get rid of these things? I would say that having a purpose in life, a real purpose, by its very nature, reduces the amount of stuff we acquire. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I think I would. Having a purpose in life? Well, it depends on the purpose. It depends on the path. If my purpose in life is to gather and showcase beautiful art, I may acquire dozens and dozens and dozens of art pieces that don't see the light of day because I've got too many of them and they're in the basement or in storage or something like that. But my purpose involves gathering objects of beauty. Yeah, you may go through that. However, that's very different from having no purpose and just gathering things to fill your empty spaces mentally and physically. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course, that's a difference. So, so the, different the art thing. collector, sure, he may collect uh, an inordinate amount of art, but while he's collecting art, he's not collecting a lot of other things. What I'm saying is the focus kind of directs the, uh -huh. uh, the activity, whereas opposed to not having any particular purpose, you're constantly looking for things to give you joy, and most of those things that are giving you joy are very temporary. So you're never satisfied. You know, you don't wake up in the morning, you know, with a purpose in mind. You, you say, well, I need to go here. I need to go there. I need to buy this. I need to buy that. And it's short-lived. Sure. Another interesting exercise might be to... Imagine what someone who walks into one of your favorite rooms in your house would say about the person who lives in your house, i.e. you, <laughs> mm. just by looking around at the objects that you have acquired and see what they have to say. How would they describe that person, that person's character, personality, and see if it jives? I think a lot of people have objects connected to them that aren't really them. They've been told this is a good thing to have or a beautiful thing. Right. And so they have it, but it isn't really them. It doesn't reflect who they really are. So we surround ourselves sometimes with things that really take away from our identity and our individuality and our deeper self. And letting those things go is like excavating. It's like archaeology. You mm. take things away to get to the gold that's underneath, to get to the sacred object that's underneath. And I think at some point in our lives, we all do that. We all are faced with sculpting away, chipping away the outer stuff that we have acquired, the crust, and getting to the soft inner human core. I think that's where we all have to get to at some point. Well, that's what I was referring to when I was saying focus more on what you need than what you think other people think you need. Exactly. Again, getting a little bit away from the physical part, there's mental and emotional baggage to me that's the same thing as physical clutter, it's mental clutter. And to me, that can be just as big, if not a bigger wall to overcome. For example, mm -hmm. even worrying. How many of us spend inordinate amount of time worrying about things we have no control over? And it makes absolutely no difference and changes nothing when we worry about something, but we hold on to these worries anyway. Guilt is another one. Was it that phrase, guilt is a gift that keeps on giving? <laughs> mm, great, great phrase. That's what therapy is in a way. It's to help the individual understand their relationship to their worries, to their anxieties, to their fears, to their hatreds, to their obsessions, and to kind of unravel the knot that we have tied between ourselves and that memory between mm -hmm. ourselves and that obsession to unravel it and to sort of separate out the truly human and the free person from the person that is chained to those ideas and those feelings and those ways of living in the world. So therapists, good ones, are invaluable to help people free up their life from the chains of what the world expects of us, etc. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that whole element of our relationship to our inner stuff. Yep. And as the saying goes, I realize that this is all easier said than done. But yep. it's something to me which is a critical part of finding tranquility and balance and removing those things that keep us from experiencing joy, peace of mind, and time that allows us to spend more interacting with other people and less preoccupied with the things that either burden us or overwhelm us. Yeah. In the last couple of years, people have, in a way, discovered once again how easy it is to acquire more stuff by going to Amazon or wherever and you click a button and that thing is at your door in two days. Mm -hmm. And people, people did a lot of that over the last two years, right? Acquiring stuff to fill the social void that they would have had where they would have normally gone out and had a coffee with someone and had a chat. Well, instead of that, they go online and buy another toy, another techno something. Because what else am I doing? I'm not talking to my fellow human beings. I might as well acquire some other piece of material that might make me happy for a short while. Fill the gap, as you say. There was a phrase I read that really struck me, and it kind of really encapsulizes a lot of what we're talking about, because all these things that we talk about with regards to accumulated things or things that we focus our energy on that don't ultimately have much value to our lives. It's all about experiencing as well, because we learn through everything that we do. And the phrase said specifically to do two things, keep the lesson and let go of the pain. Yeah, good. Keep the wisdom and let go of the, the dross, the bad stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And the other one would be the Buddha's last words. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but the Buddha's last words were, nothing is permanent. And because we're not permanent as human beings, we shouldn't expect the world around us to be permanent. And objects are more impermanent, maybe less impermanent in some ways, <laughs> uh, than we are, but nonetheless impermanent and that they're going to be swallowed up by the earth just as we are. And to not get too, too attached to our material universe, because it's not ours. It's rented. It's temporary. And that's okay. And in keeping with what we said at the beginning, because you are now in transition yourself and about to leave the province, that's our final podcast to close out year five of this podcast that we've been doing now since July of 2017. And our next podcast, you and I are going to have a little chit-chat about what the last five years has been like. Yeah, fantastic. And right in this moment, let's invite people who have listened to us, to our yatterings over the past five years, to send in their comments, send in thoughts about the last five years and maybe highlights of their experience listening to this podcast, what we could do better, what we could have done better, and thoughts about the future and thoughts about what we've just talked about on this podcast as well. Anything is welcome. Just click the comments button or even the audio comments button and let's carry this baby forward. Yes, there's a little button on the site. You just tap it. You don't even have to write anything. You can actually speak and we may even use part of your comment in one of our podcasts. It's easier than ordering on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, Harry, it's uh, been a pleasure. And on that note, ciao, Harry. Ciao, Peter. Have a good one. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production. 
available at thesillpodcast.com. Thank you for your donation to The Sill Podcast.